Thank you for listening to the Father's Table podcast. If you like this episode, please make sure you share. For more episodes and blogs, check out www.fatherspodcast.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Father's Table Podcast and Twitter at Father Stories. Father's Table, an introspective look and conversation about our fathers and how they shaped our lives. Welcome to the Father's Table. I'm your host, Keith. Thanks for joining us today. Today, I have a very special guest. All my guests are very special. And uh, this person, his name is Tim. Uh, just a little background about Tim uh, that you may not know or may know. Timothy Hokett is a graduate from Delaware State University. That is a historically black school in Dover, Delaware. Uh, <laughs> Tim and I uh, attended at the same time. That's where we knew each other and you know hung out in our groups and cliques of friends and things like that. Um, Tim has traveled the world learning businesses and ventured into various businesses surrounding health, fitness, and fashion. He is a husband, father of a newborn baby, not newborn, but, you know, new enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, he decided to come on the show and uh, share his story um, about his father and how it shaped his life. So, Tim, welcome to the Father's Table. Thank you, man. Thank you, brother. I'm happy to be here. Excellent, man. I'm glad you're with us. Uh, so <laughs> so let's let's get into it. So uh, at the beginning of every show, I'd like to ask our guests to close uh, their eyes. Okay. Take three deep breaths and tell us what comes to mind when you think about your father. Um, I just heard big dog, man, just big dog. Big like dog. when I, when I look at my son, I call him puppy dog. <laughs> when I, you know, associate myself to him in relationship, I call myself the big dog. So when I close my eyes, the first thing I just heard and felt was big dog. Like, you know, that's the biggest dog, man. Mm -hmm. Was so. that a nickname y'all have for him or is just like a... <laughs> nah, nah, that's just something I, I say. Oh, <laughs> got you, got you. Yeah. So let's let's start here. Take me back to um, the genesis of uh, your life, um, mm -hmm. your childhood. Now, can you give us some background on how your mother and your father met? Um. All right, so. Like, this story, I'm going to give you what I know. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Like, you're going to learn and understand uh, just the relationship between my father and myself. But my father died. My father committed suicide when I was five years old. Mm -hmm. So my history of him is brief. Mm -hmm. um, 
So what I know is literally just what I know. You know what That's, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. it ain't really too much more. Um, but my father is from Baltimore. He's from Baltimore. My, my family and all of them, they from West Baltimore. I was born in Mount Sinai Hospital, if you're familiar. You know where it's at. So that's where my family is from. My mother, she's from the Bronx, New York, and they migrated to Philadelphia, Southwest. And they met both attending college at Pittsburgh University. Mm -hmm. They both went to Pitt. Um, so that's where they met, man. And then from what my mother has told me, you know, they met at Pitt, that's where they connected. And then my father, he kind of got, he wanted to go back home. He got homesick. He got tired of Pittsburgh. He got tired of that school. So he ended up transferring um, to Morgan State. So, yeah, that's how they met. And pretty, you know, they was, ironically, now that I think about it, me and my wife, we both met in college too at mm -hmm. Del State. So it's funny now that I'm, it's just hitting me that they met at college as well. So. Got you. Got you. So, when you were five, he committed suicide. Uh, was your mother and your father married, or did, did they were they high, uh, college sweethearts? They kept a long distance relationship, or was it just like a relationship and then it ended? They. That's a good. I mean, I think they were married mm -hmm. because my mother had his name, mm -hmm. so I don't assume that she would have did that if they weren't married. Mm -hmm. But personally. That's not something she's ever really discussed with me. Mm -hmm. um, but did you ever ask her, like, hey, mom, like, uh, you know, like, were you and father, uh, you and dad married, or like, where did y'all get married? And the reason why I ask that too, because growing up, I don't recall many stories about even my mother and my father's wedding. Mm -hmm. I, I I probably honestly I don't think I even know that story. I don't know how I, <laughs> I don't I really don't recall that talk. I just you kind of grow up and know that they're married and say, like, okay, it's my mom, they're my father, they're married, moving on with life. But like how they met, like a, I couldn't tell you like a beginning to ending story of like, oh, then I asked her to marry me and blah blah blah. I don't even know that story. I should ask my mom. <laughs> yeah, like when I was um when I was a child, you know, I would ask my mother about my father. Um, but every time I reached out to her about different things, like, oh, tell me about my dad. Tell me about my dad. Mom, what's up with my dad? What did my dad like? You know, I would watch her get physically uncomfortable. Mm. You know, I would watch her make faces or frown her face or I could tell this is not a topic that I was supposed to be bringing up. You know what I'm saying? This is not a topic that I was, my mother was comfortable with talking to me about. So honestly, growing up, I thought my, I made up, I thought my dad died from diabetes. Mm. And you know, I made that up like mentally because years and years of asking, asking my mother about him and not really getting answers, you know, as a child, people are gonna be asking you, oh, where your dad? What's up with your dad? Oh, my dad died. Next question, how he died? Right, right, right. right. So my mother would tell me he was sick. 
So I don't know where in my youth I associated sickness with diabetes, but I just assumed he died from diabetes. Now, fast forward, look where I'm at now. You know what I mean? I'm a nutritionist. I'm in the health world. If I would have known what I knew now, I would have known it was impossible for my dad to die from diabetes. Mm-hmm. But that's, I didn't really have anything else to cling to. Um, my mother actually didn't tell me how my father really died till I was 21. Oh, wow. So, how did that conversation go? Um, all right, we, so we jumping around. So, and I want y'all to know me and Keith, we, we're good friends. So <laughs> that's why you hear him laughing. That's why you hear me laughing. We interact all the time. So this is, even though we're good friends, this is the first time he's learning this information. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically one day I was home from Dell State, right? I was home for a weekend. And, you know, my mother, she eventually ended up remarrying. And probably around when I was like 10 or 11 years old, she remarried. And one day I came home and my mother was taking groceries out the car, right? She was taking groceries out the car. And she asked my my stepfather, she asked him to help him. So for some reason, I don't know what he was doing what kind of day, what time they was on at that moment. You know, people have, they have friction, but he just kind of snapped. You know what I'm saying? He snapped like, I'm doing something, blah, 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 blah. Like, he wasn't feeling it. He, he basically wasn't feeling it. Like, I don't need to help you bring no groceries in the house. He was on that. Mm-hmm. So he came downstairs and was yelling at her. And my mother she was retreating. You know, she was like, well, it's okay, never mind. You know, she was retreating. But he was, he wasn't just yelling like he got in her face. He kept getting in her face and yelling. Even when she said, never mind, like, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I want to clarify, like my stuff, he'd never been domestically abusive to my mother or nothing. It's no situations like that. But just that day, you know, he was bothered. I don't know what my mom did to him, but he wasn't feeling it. And I just happened to be there for the entire, why? Because I was helping bring the groceries in the house. I just happened to be there, right? So I, I, I just snapped. I was like, yo, she said it's fine. Like, why you keep getting in her face like that? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I was angry at this point, but I never approached him. I never got in his face. I just said that, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But when I said that, he turned his anger towards me. Mm -hmm. He got in my face, you know what I'm saying? So when he got in my face, mind you, I'm defending my mother. I feel like she's vulnerable. I'm in college, I'm not home. So if we being honest, I don't know what's going on in this house no more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm coming, I'm coming into this situation. Like, what has been happening in here? Like, is he just wilding on her now? I, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still young. So me and him start fighting. We get into a fight. You know what I mean? We get into a fight outside. Um, 
after the fight is over, I'm still pissed. Like, I want to fight again. You know what I mean? I'm just... I'm I'm just angry because who won I, the fight? I'm I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, this is not time. I, mean, I don't know. It's just a... <laughs> <That's so good. laughs> I was I was I was angry, yo, because uh -huh. I I just couldn't understand how you could have that much anger towards a woman needing help buying food for your family. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, um, my mother actually asked me to leave. You know what I mean? She kicked me out that night. Oh, wow. Kicked me out. The cops were called on me. So I was, I was really angry. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I kind of snapped. Like, I snapped on my mother, too. Like, you know, I said whatever I said that night. Um, and so my mother basically said, like, you know, that's my husband. You know, I have to choose him over you. I have to put him first or whatever. And, you know, now that I'm married, I can't say she was wrong in that aspect. Right. You know, you do have to put your husband before your children in some regard. But I think at that moment, I just felt like I'm tired of you acting like I don't exist. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. Like, I'm, I'm defending you in a moment where you're not wrong. Why mm -hmm. are you treating me like I'm wrong? Right. So... In that moment, you know, she pulled me into the car and um, before I left, uh, I ended up leaving, going to my grandma's house. But before I left, she wanted to talk to me. So in that conversation, she decided to tell me about my father. Oh, and wow. why that altercation created her to finally release that, I don't personally understand because yeah. this is a moment that's problematic you know what i'm saying this is a pain moment so it's almost like she took that opportunity to say well he's already in pain this shouldn't hurt him or something hmm. it's hard to really for me to really yeah it. that's that's a just an unusual time to to reveal yeah the, how your father uh passed away and, and right. it's like whoa what <laughs> you know all this time and especially when you said you know i thought he died of diabetes it's almost like that's something that you've told yourself and then it's like hey I actually committed suicide which is a very tragic way to die and it's like oh wait a minute it's like i could only imagine you probably had to step away from everybody and really just process that like what is going on with my life right now you know well Man, yeah, man, it was tough, man. I cried because, you know, the way, well, first of all, it was, it was it's deeper than just, oh, he committed suicide, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be completely transparent and I'm going to tell you what she told me. So my mother told me that, you know, her and my father, they had their issues. And I have a little sister too. Mm -hmm. So I actually have two sisters. My father had two, three kids, but one with my, my mother besides me. Um, so she was telling me how, you know, they started having problems because he wouldn't really accept my sister. He didn't believe that to be his child. Mm -hmm. And how that caused friction. And she was saying like, you know, I never cheated on him. Um, I don't know where he got that from. And so my father, he suffered, he lacked salt in his brain. Mm -hmm. 
So when you're lacking salt in your brain, it almost causes symptoms of being bipolar, right? Yeah. So basically my father was diagnosed with being bipolar. Um, and because of that, he had to take medication. He had to take medication, but the medication caused him to gain weight. He didn't like the weight gain because he was a slim guy. He was always in pretty good shape. So you, we already know what medication does to people besides you know what they don't like mm -hmm. but the weight gain is what caused him not to like it so on certain times he would just not take it um and i think that's how most people are when they're treating themselves mm -hmm. you know they pick and choose when they feel like something is appropriate mm -hmm. um but one of the symptoms was when he wasn't on his medication he would have suicidal thoughts mm -hmm. um so one time my father if you're familiar with morgan state anybody who's ever been to morgan state there's a bridge that goes from one side of the street to the other side above traffic and um my mother told me my father one day wasn't on his medication and he was on campus and he actually jumped off of that bridge so again if you've been to morgan you know the exact bridge I'm talking about is the popping bridge. So anybody hearing this and they know that story, their parents, like my father jumped off that bridge mm -hmm. and tried to kill himself one day. Um, but he didn't die. Mm -hmm. so he was severely injured. You know, he went to the hospital and all that, got treated. And then I guess, I don't know the time frame of, well, I'm assuming he was still college. So this was probably years later, but he died at 29. So one day my mother says, you know, he called and they had broken up at this time. She moved back to Philly and he was still in Baltimore. And he told her he wanted to see me. So she was like, well, you know, I'm not going to bring him to you if you don't want to see your daughter too so he was you know he was in agreement with it like okay you know whatever you can bring them um and my mother said when she came to the house as she pulled up she said she just knew he was dead mm. so i was in the car um and I actually think she told me my sister might have got sick or something. I wasn't sure if my sister was there. I can't really remember that. But I know I was there and my mother was there. And she said she knew he was dead. You know what I mean? She knew he was dead in the house. So she went inside and my father, like, he, so my father was kind of like a genius. He constructed, so he, he, he had a shotgun. He owned a shotgun. But, you know, with a shotgun, you can't commit suicide. Like, you can't just pull a shotgun and shoot yourself. Mm. You know I mean, it's too powerful. Yeah. It's going to ricochet. You need something to, like, lean it on. So he created this whole structure of, like, a lever and a rope. And basically, when he pulled the rope, the shotgun fired and shot him and killed him. So... 
Um, yeah, man, that's the that's story tough. I got. That's tough. One that's random tough. night, home on a weekend, in a car after I just fought. Um, my stepdad defended my mother. Oh man, I, I can only imagine how tough that is. Just the fight and then that heavy news. And man, let man, that's tough, man. That's real tough. Yeah, just man. just just like that, you know. Let's let's go back to you said five five years old. Yeah. From that point, you, it sounds like you were in a uh, in your life. You really didn't see much of him, uh, so you grew up essentially without him. Walk me through how it was um, growing up with uh, your uh, with your your mom getting remarried and you going through like middle school. Like mm -hmm. walk me through that, and and with the knowledge of your father. Die, dying of diabetes in the back of your mind. Like, how was Tim, you know, processing life at that time? And how was your relationship with your stepfather? Mm. Um, well, honestly, I don't even remember, like, going to my dad's funeral. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even remember that. If we did go, I wouldn't know. Like, I remember my, my little cousin, one day I was at his house, my cousin's, and he pulled out a obituary of my father. Mm -hmm. um, and he had like three obituaries and he kept them in his, in his room. And he was like, yo, you ever seen this, this shit? My little cousin is like four years younger than me. And this was probably happened when I was like 13. So he was probably like nine. So he was wow. like, yeah. So he gave me one and I'm reading it, learning about my dad. Wow. <laughs> You know, I remember taking that home and being like, why don't I have this? Mm. You know what I mean? Like mad. So my childhood, man, it was a lot of anger, bro. Like one day I just remember my mom dating this guy. And the next thing you know, he moved in our house. And then my mother tells me we're moving. And then my mother is telling me I need to call him dad. Mm. And I remember like being in the back of the car, I know exactly where I was at. You know what I mean? I know where we were coming from. And I remember her saying, you need to call him dad. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, this nigga's not my dad. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but, but mind you, I'm, I'm a 10 or 11 year old kid. Like, what do you mean call him my dad? He's not, this man's not my dad. Mm -hmm. So I just remember at first, I didn't really comply to that. You know what I'm saying? I didn't fight it, but I just didn't get it. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, oh, Mr. Kev, Mr. Kev. But I, I saw my mother kind of distance herself again, you mm -hmm. know, with the, just showing me emotionally that she wasn't happy with me. Mm -hmm. um so i think that caused me to just call him dad um and then i just you know they i have little brothers i have they have three children together um 
So I think as I continue to grow, I remember telling myself, I never want my little brothers and little sisters to think there's a problem in their family. Mm. I never want them to think like we not family or I'm not their brother. Right. You know? So I always made sure to call him dad. Um, even now I'll call him dad. I don't have no problem calling him dad, but um, I think out of respect for my father, there still needs to be a clarity. You feel me? Right, right. Out right. of my bloodline. Uh, so, yeah, man, that's that's really how it was. Like, I remember my mother walking to me and telling me he was changing my last name um, to my stepfather's last name. So, wait a minute. Just just so clarity. So, is Hokit your stepfather's last name? No, Hoquette is Hoquette is my real father. That's my bloodline. I'm a junior. I'm Timothy Hoquette Jr. Okay. Yeah, and my father is Timothy Hoquette. They're the Hoquettes. My stepfather's last name is Henley. Oh, okay. And my mother came to me and said, you know, I want to change y'all's names. Me and my little sister Candace. Mm -hmm. And she's like, what do you think about that? And I'm, I think I'm like 12 years old at this time. Um, and I'm like, change it for what? I'm like, my last name is Hoquette. And I remember telling her, I'm like, my dad is dead. Like, I'm the only male he has left. I'm, t I'm saying this at 12 years old. Yeah. I'm like, that would be disrespectful. Like, he's not even here. Mm -hmm. I'm not changing my last name. Mm -hmm. And I refused. And I remember like, she was frustrated with me and she said well can i change candace's um and, and i'm like for what like i I don't, I don't understand why are you so pressed to change our names like what are you uncomfortable you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. like you uncomfortable because we gonna have different last names than everybody else mm -hmm. and she was like well candace is going to be married one day it doesn't even matter well i'm like if it don't matter why are you trying to change it mm -hmm. Like, I, I said that. Like, if it don't matter, why are you trying to change it? So, um, she started hyphenating it on, like, when I was playing football. And, like, and I just remember one day I was running, and I, I'm looking at myself and seeing my jersey, and I'm thinking, this ain't my name. Mm -hmm. Like, this ain't my name. So, I personally never, when she signed me up for something, I crossed that off, like, that's not my name. Like, nobody, I wrote Hoquette. I never wrote Hoquette Henley. Mm -hmm. I wrote Hoquette. And she was writing Henley on my baby sister stuff. Um, but I couldn't control that, you know what I'm saying? Would you, would you have felt better if your mom had like a conversation then where it's just like, listen, I'm thinking about doing this instead of just saying that I'm gonna change your last name like, like if she would have presented it better or was it just like, this is a change that's about to happen? Cause I, I could understand with all the, at that age, it's really probably, it's almost like changing your whole identity. <laughs> it's just like, wait a minute. <laughs> right. I, I thought I was this, now I'm being changed this. You know, I don't have my biological dad. Now I'm calling this guy dad and my last name's being changed. So it just seems like a lot of changes yeah. And I think that does happen a lot uh, for young kids. And, and, and that's the, 
some of the, 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 the issues, it's like kids have to go through a lot of transitions, especially when they come from uh, tough situations where the parents aren't together or something happens. And then, you know, there's a transition and they're trying to process how this is going and what does this even mean? It, 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 it's really a lot for a young mind to cope with. So, I mean, I, I could, would you have felt better if your mom uh, kind of presented it different or was it just like a abrupt change to you? I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like as the parent, you have to make the decision that you think is best. Um, and I think my mother thought that was best for our family as a whole. You know, it wasn't about me in her mind. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, it was about me. You know what I'm saying? And like, at this time, my little brothers were born, both of them. I was 12, so that means they were two years old and one years old. Um, and my stepdad actually has another daughter, um, my sister, Larissa. So again, this is three new people in my life, four new people, including my, my father, stepfather. And I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say she went about it wrong, but I just feel like for you not to even talk to me about my dad, I felt like she was trying to erase that he ever existed. You feel me? Yeah. And it's like, don't disrespect him like that. Like at the end of the day, I'm his son. Mm -hmm. If you don't love him or whatever, that's cool. But stop trying to force that on me. And I felt like that was being forced on me. Like everything was just being forced on me. Like we don't need to talk about him. We don't need to, you don't need to know who his family is. You don't need to associate with these, like you over here. You know what I mean? And it's like, you try to force this makeup family on me. I don't know these people. Mm -hmm. These people don't know me. You can only fake love for so long. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? People, everybody love a little child, but once a child becomes 15, 16, 17, you start seeing how people truly feel about you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Seriously, like, they don't, they don't have no mind. These niggas not my, they don't love me. Mm -hmm. And that's no disrespect to nobody, but how can you truly love something that's not of you? Mm -hmm. I think that's very difficult for anybody, even if you're a step-parent. Even my stepfather, I, I, I know he loves me, but I believe our love for each other grew over time. I don't think he just saw me and loved me. Like, mm -hmm. how is that possible? You know what I mean? Right. There, there's a, I'm glad you said that because there's an intentionality behind that. Even with your own kids, right? You, you have a son, I have a son. Um, there's a level of in intentionality that goes with raising kids. But since they come from us, there's a, another level of relationship that we have for them. It is literally a part of you walking around and you're like, okay, let me make sure my family's good. That's your family. Um, with adoption of taking on someone that's not necessarily blood, um, I think that's a tremendous showcase of what love is because again, like you said, it takes intentionality effort because you're trying to connect with someone that has nothing, you know, y'all not, y'all not blood related. So I have to make sure I'm putting my best foot forward to try to get to know you. 
And um, a lot of times it, it's, it's not easy for either party to do. And, you know, it, it sounds like, uh, it, it, I mean, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like you have a great relationship now, but it took time to grow. You know, it's, it wasn't just like, oh, okay, come on. And sometimes it, it does catch on faster, but it, but definitely I could, I could think if in your um, stepfather's case, you were a little bit older, you know what I mean? So it wasn't like you were two and right. it, you could just say, okay, he probably won't remember. So you kind of understood who your dad was. So it was like, that's one right there. So I can understand the difficulty there. Right. And, you know, I got the utmost respect for him. Yeah. Um, just, just moving on a, a little bit um, into the transition into high school slash uh, college. And then I want to talk about uh, your relationship with God uh, that most people, or I don't know if most people, but some people may not know about, because I didn't know about this until later on about you, to how spiritual you were. But then again, um, you know, we'll, we'll get into that. But uh, so take me through high school um, and college, just a little bit of your relationship with your stepfather, your understanding. It sounds like that was the age where you kind of understood more about your father as death. Um, but walk me through how it was for you having, not having a father, but having a, a father so to speak. So what was life for you back, back then? Um, I feel like, man, to be honest, bro, I felt like I was an outcast forever. Um, just in my household that like, I was like a stain that nobody really wanted to accept. Um, like my sister, she's a girl, you know what I mean? She, it's a lot easier to love a girl. She was a lot younger. Um, her memory of my father is going to be way bleaker than mine. Um, so I honestly feel like there was just, there was always just that a distance. Um, there was always a distance. And, and mind you, you got to think, I got a house full of kids, you know? Like I have little brothers, I have a baby sister. She's, my little sister is a sophomore at Howard now. Mm. So when I was in high school, you know, she was probably like four, three or four years old. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I had to, nobody was paying me no mind. You know what I mean? Like I just had to deal with myself. I had to get my, if I wanted to go somewhere, I had to figure out how to get there. If I wanted money, I had to figure out how to get it. So I'm not saying I didn't have support, but there was a lot of priorities before me. Um, so, wow. so it seems like you had to teach yourself about, you know, maybe uh, earning money, how to get money. What about like relationships with women and things mm -hmm. like that was like, you know, parents say the talk, uh, how did that go or did you even have the talk or you learned it from other ways uh, i remember my stepdad on a ride home one night from high school he had mentioned something to me about sex but there was never like we had the talk 
<laughs> like I ain't never had a talk with my mother, but one night he like a, he confronted that, mm-hmm. and um, I mean I I think it was awkward, just like any high school kid. It's like, what's up with you? Like you being weird? Yeah, yeah. And after that, I mean that was it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so I had like a girlfriend at like seventeen, and then my freshman year of college. But after that, um, I didn't have another girlfriend until I think, yeah, I didn't have another girlfriend that I claimed, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That I said, this is my girlfriend until Raven, until my wife. Mm-hmm. And that gotcha. was what, 20, I'm 33. So that was probably like 28. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 27. So as far as, uh, you know, that goes going into college, teaching, it seems like you were a self-learner, teaching yourself different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had to, I guess, learn the hard way of, um, you know, the value of character and working hard and, and starting businesses. Because you're an entrepreneur, like I said, did you did you get that from anyone you've seen or your stepfather or... Maybe like someone told you your father was an entrepreneur and it and inspired you or right. I mean, mind you, I, again, I know I knew nothing about my father until no, nah, that's not true. I, I had a grandmother that would tell me stuff about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and my aunts, they kept in contact with me and one of mm-hmm. my cousins. So I would go see them in the summer and all that, back and forth to Baltimore. So I had a little understanding of him. But entrepreneurship is in my blood on my father's side. Um, I come from a famous family, man. So the Barksdales are my cousins. Mm. Um, and that that story is a famous story and it's on a show called The Wire. Um, so Avon Barksdale, that's my actual blood uncle um, this, who the show the entire premise of the show was based upon and they were entrepreneurs mm-hmm. so you know i'm not ashamed of that you know they weren't always doing it the way like it wasn't the american dream you know what i'm saying but i'm very proud of who i am and i think my entrepreneurship journey probably started around 16. Um, but I started dibbling, dabbling in just selling products and things like that. Um, so yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> and that's, that's cool, man. Um, linking back to your past, uh, you know, your father had, uh, that in his blood and just that right. ambition, which is, you know, trickled down to you, which is cool. Right. And, um, just want to touch on this piece. <laughs> You know, you're a father, husband, and uh, you have a strong connection with God. Right. Uh, how did that come about? And how did that shape your view of, on fatherhood and just life in general? And do you think God stepped in as a father figure for your life? Um, well, I definitely know God protected me, man, from myself, you know, because I was wilding. Um, a lot. 
I mean, when I was a kid, I was getting into fights, in school suspension. Like, I just had so much anger in me. But you, you think you had anger because you, like, what, what was, what do you think the, the, the root of that anger was? Honestly, I think it's because I didn't know my father. Mm. And, and every time I tried to understand who he was, I was being told that I was wrong. Or I was, I was being looked at as a bad person by asking these questions. So I think that, like, I had a lot of hate towards my mother growing up because of that. Mm. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just, it's, it's not misplaced anger, but it is unnecessary. You feel me? Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, I I just believe that God, he kept me like my mother has always been, um, she saved my stepfather is saved. Stepfather is actually a pastor. Mm. And, um, she's always been in church. So when I was a kid, she would make me go and I would, I wouldn't like it. I mean, I would hate it. Like, I don't want to be here. But this was a part of my life. This is my mother. I have to go. Um, but eventually, sitting down in them pews, it started to just affect me um, mentally. And I felt like, you know, I don't want to disappoint God in how I'm moving. Because um, I spent so many years doing what I wanted to do. Mm. Living how I wanted to live. Even when I was aware of God. Mm. So, um. My father actually, he, he left me a lot of like gifts and stuff, even in his death. So when my cousin's mother died, my aunt passed, at her funeral, this guy walked up to me. This guy walked up to me and was like, yo, I've been waiting to find you your whole life. He was like, yo, I'm your dad's best friend. And this is something he kept, he, he gave me and told me to give to you one day. Wow. And it was a big white Bible. Wow. It was, a, it was like a huge white Bible. And it was like a message in it. And you know, my dad was just, he, um, he said like, you know, this is, um, this is the only thing that kept me. You know what I'm saying? Like, pay attention to this. You know what I'm saying? And I was probably like 22, yeah, probably like 22. Around that time when my, when my, my aunt died. And I think that Bible, I think it had an even bigger impact on me. Because mm. I'm like, you could have left me a lot of stuff. And he left me a lot of stuff with different people. And, um, but I'm like, how did this get back to me? You mm. know what I mean? Like, it was beat up and all that. And I still got <laughs> it. It's in my closet. Like, I'm going to end up, I'm going to frame it. Um, Cause it's special to me now, but yeah, I, I take God serious, bro. I take as serious as I take business and my friendships. Yeah. I take God serious. I believe that, um, God is real. I know he's real Thinks He's literally, I've had dreams of situations that have happened the very next day and the exact dream I've had, how he saved me from that dangerous situation. He literally saved me from that danger situation, even when I still put myself in the danger situation. Mm. So, um, yeah, man, God, he he spared me a lot, bro. Like I was selling crack in, in high school. 
in the school, not just during that age, but in the physical school. Mm. And how dumb is that? You know, I'm 16, 17, selling cocaine and Percocets to kids in a new school that I don't even know nobody. Mm -hmm. Why am I doing that? You know what I'm saying? But you got to learn who you are in business, just like you got to learn who you are with God in that relationship. And you know, um, I'm grateful, bro. That's, I, it's, I'm so thankful, man. I love God. It's, I could say a million things, man. You have to <laughs> no, like, man, that's, that, that's, that's cool, man. That's a, that's a good answer. And you felt like God was like that father figure to keep you when it's in, and now that you are more mature and things like that, he's still acting like as a father figure in your life. Right. I, I, mean, I feel like God is the only person who I ever truly looked up to. <laughs> right. And felt like, I, I want to make you proud. You know mm. what I mean? I feel like if, if my father was alive, and this is the blessing, it's always a blessing in pain. Like, mm. if my father was alive, would I seek God? Mm. You know Because I, mean? I could just call my dad. Mm. But because I couldn't call my dad, I had to call God. Mm. So it's like, you know, I would have to go to him and ask him stuff. I would have to pray. I had to. So it's kind of like, I'm not going to, I, I kind of, that relationship that I was, was stripped from me from my father, God came in and replaced that for me. Right. Right. And, and I love that you said that because that's the role of a parent. That's the role of a father. The, your earthly father is supposed to shape you and mold you to the best of his abilities to prepare you to actually get to know your real father um, who's in heaven. And I know for people listening, they're like, oh, you know, this might be spiritual. Well, I mean, this, this, this is uh, uh, the, the reality that I'm, I'm working from. Uh, that's the role of a parent. You, parents are not supposed to hog their kids. The, the kids aren't for, the, for them. The, the, the kids are uh, a blessing from God that you're presenting back to God. And because they're ultimately for him. And um, it, with Tim, what you said was awesome because it's like, you know, that was stripped from you at a young age. But you got to know your uh, heavenly father um, and you, that, that transition period doesn't necessarily need to take place, but you understand it now and you have your heavenly father now. And it's like, okay, I know how to process through life. You're talking to him. He shows you what you need to do and so on and so forth. So I, I think that's awesome, man. Um, and just to transition a little bit, uh, we see a lot of things going on right now um, in different communities. What do you think is, how do you think fathers in the black community can can step up and how how do you think they could be better fathers in the black community to, to step up and help their children to 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 grow and be better men than they are? Like, so my question is, what is one thing that you see that black men that are fathers can improve on in raising their kids or being good role models or showing their kids the way that they need to go? In your opinion, um, that's a good question. I feel like. 
okay, so when I was in college, you know, my crew of friends, they got caught off campus with, you know, drugs. And the, cop, the cops came back to the school. They raided our rooms. One of them was my roommate. And they, they found drugs. I even had drugs in my room. But legally, they couldn't raid mines because I wasn't there. Um, so that day, I decided that I didn't need to do this as a side hustle anymore, right? So I decided that I was going to do whatever it takes to be successful opposite of the easy way. So what I think black men have to improve is that day when I decided this wasn't for me anymore and I can do something bigger, I can be successful in other ways that are legal. I believe black men have to just look that in the face, man, and just decide like, look, it might not be easy but I can at least try, you know what I'm saying? Like for the sake of, I did that for the sake of myself, for the sake of my future. But if you got children, I, I get it. Like you'll do whatever you got to do. I don't knock that, but you have to be aware nine times out of 10, every step is the wrong step. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you have to decide like, what's worth it to me? Do I want my son to hear stories about his father? Or do I want my son hearing stories from me? So I feel like black men, man, we just gotta, we gotta take entrepreneurship seriously because that's who we are. That's who's, that's what's in our blood. We, we want to be free. Everybody's trying to shackle us. Everybody's trying to tell us we're not good enough. Everybody is trying to take our women and tell them they're beautiful, but tell us we're dangerous. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? That's what the world tells us. We love your women, but we hate you. We love your children. They beautiful. But as soon as they turn big enough to hurt us, we don't want no parts of them. Mm. So I think we got to look at that and say like, yo, I need to, I need to figure this out. Cause they only, they whole goal is to destroy me. Mm. And if they get me, they going to get my son. And if they get me, they going to get my son. They going to get my daughter. My wife going to be vulnerable. Now she going to be susceptible to anything or my girlfriend. So I feel like it all trickles down to the black man making a decision that's accurate, not for just the self-preservation of himself, but for the self-preservation of his race. Mm -hmm. um, you gotta say yes to entrepreneurship, man, or jobs or whatever, whatever, just, just, just striving to be better, bro. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, as you were saying that, I was thinking about, um just some of the past episodes of the podcast is to where um, I'm hearing about my grandfathers and how they, how they did what you said. It's like, they didn't take shortcuts. They just worked and they sacrificed. I think the more I think about it, I think a lot of comforts, they sacrificed a lot of comforts so their families could be comfortable. And right. if that meant they slept two hours, that they slept two hours. And I mean, 
my grandfathers they're not around to talk today i'd love to talk to them and see you know see where their minds were back then but uh yeah man i i think that that says a lot about their character and what's more important maybe they weren't thinking about the present now and you know maybe the whole hokit family will be changed by your sacrifices and then it passes down to your son and so on and so forth every generation generation making a contribution and a sacrifice for the betterment um right. that's that's how i like to think about it man but but tim man that that is that was all the questions i had bro um did you have anything that you wanted to share uh any businesses that you have going on that you wanted to plug that you want that you want to share to for the audience to hear um i just want black men to be aware bro like your kids is watching like my son man he go crazy when i get in his house you know what i'm saying so it's like i can't i can't lose that feeling it's like we just gotta stay focused like put them drugs down put them drugs down put them guns down put them credit cards down i know all the scams put that counterfeit money down all the all the scams like just we we gotta let go of that quick get it today mindset and really just start building not just for you, but for your children's future. You don't want your child growing up on them same blocks you live. You don't want your child having to eat the things that you felt like you hated as a child. Um, you want your child to do whatever they want to do in this world, but trust and believe the odds of them doing it without you is, is, is very slim to none. Mm -hmm. um, we need parents, we need fathers. So I just want to encourage fathers, man, do what you got to do to build your businesses. Don't worry about if it take you three years, two years, six years, one day it's going to be done. You know what I'm saying? If you water the grass, it's going to grow. So just keep watering your grass and just working and staying focused and get those jobs. And if you don't like your job, don't quit because your boss is bothering you. Quit when you got a better job. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't let nobody else knock you off of who you are and off of just being a better person. And stay close to God too. We can't, we can't neglect that. Like, that's the only thing that has kept me. I felt like as my relationship has grown with God personally, my business has grown, my life has grown, my relationships have grown. Everything improved as I'm, my relationship with God improved. And I, I get it. No man really wants to look at something else as like above them. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's hard to look at somebody or something and say, this person gives me guidance or this person. But it's like, you got people in the street giving you guidance right now. Mm -hmm. You want people on Instagram clicking on these Tony Robbins and Gary, Gary V. Like they, y'all, y'all posting everything these people say. You don't know these dudes. Y'all don't know how these dudes treat their wives. Mm. How they treat their kids? You know what this dude even eating? You feel me? I, I, I'm sorry. I don't listen to anybody unless you eat in a certain way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play that. You eat mess. I can't take you serious. But it's like all these people getting their game from God, man. Seriously. Mm. So it's like you taking it because you see this person's success. But God is the best entrepreneur in the game. Mm. So I feel like. The more people just stop trying to fight where they come from, 
stop trying to connect to the universe. The universe don't exist without somebody to make it exist. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we got to get back in touch with who we are mm -hmm. um, spiritually. And I feel like as you do that, all that other stuff would just gradually fall off and, you know, you'll be a better man. Man, thank yo, man. Thanks for for sharing those jewels, um, gems of of wisdom. Do do you have a a a, a business that you wanted to to promote for before we go? Or oh yeah 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 yeah. Uh, Hokat Gallery. Go to my site hokatgallery.com. Um, I use art and fashion as a catalyst to teach and educate people on health. So. I'm a nutritionist and fitness trainer um, by trade. So I use Hoquette Gallery as a way to help spread that message in a more creative way. So I just released um, a new collection of sneakers. So that's H-O-K-E-T-T gallery.com. Um, check out those sneakers, man. Support me. Um, I'm trying to give back millions to the public health community just in terms of food banks and children that need it. So just, yeah, you got to support businesses that you know are giving back and supporting other people. So I'm one of them people, support me. I got a gym coming. I got a lot of things coming. I have a health documentary coming. It's going to be called Hustle Hoquette. Um, and it's just going to be a creative spin on how to just be healthy in an easier, simpler way. And it's not going to be boring, like most, most health documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, thank you for joining the Father's Table. That is our time. Everyone, thank you for listening. Until next time, we'll see you. God bless y'all.